A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. It's ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slog, Stardate 81. These are the continued voyages of this podcast. I'm Eddie, that's Mark. We, we, we haven't been here for a while because all of my technology went wrong. Um, so, yeah, that's that's why that is. Uh, anyway, how, how have you been, Mark? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, be, I've been gone for a while, eh? Uh, what's been happening? Um uh, I we're in that um, that is period that annual period between the end of January and the end of April when I remember that I really give a shit about WWE. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they they go with the Royal Rumble, which is the the best version of the floor is lava. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then from then. Uh, and and I will point out if you don't haven't been following WWE at all, this has been the most insane road to WrestleMania ever. Oh yes. How do we get everyone to stop talking about the incredibly credible allegations of horrific rapes against uh, Vince McMahon? Um, uh, what if we put The Rock in the main event of WrestleMania? That'll do it. Go, yeah, yeah. Except here's the problem: <laughs> you've spent a year telling us that Cody Rhodes was going to be in the main event of WrestleMania. Yep. And uh, that's what we... I can't... The, the WWE has had a history of trying to force a blue-eyed, baby-faced Mr. America down everybody's throats. Yep. And then they finally had one land in their lap. Like, he literally became everything they wanted in a hero yeah. by leaving the company and fucking off and doing something else. And then he landed in their lap and they were immediately like, or The Rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But also, to be fair, the WWE fans are a lot like... Uh, you remember that bit in The Simpsons where it's the focus group for Itchy and Scratchy? <laughs> it's, so you want realistic, down-to-earth stories that deal with issues that you have to face every day that's also completely off the wall and swarming with magic robots. <laughs> <laughs> no one in WWE... No one knows what they want until they have it. I... I... It's... It, like I mean, I'm I'm not an expert in in the in WWE politics, but like I, it surely this whole thing's like I, I I can't even tell if this is a work or not. If it is, it's genius. Um, oh, the only thing I would say is that if it is a work, Cody's original promo handing his WrestleMania spot to The Rock is does it? It was written by an alien because it doesn't make any sense if this was a work. Oh, well, uh, yeah, and also uh, <laughs> uh, we should knock uh, Kelly and Murphy straight off the top of the favourites for the Oscar because uh, he, he looks genuinely upset <laughs> to be handing his WrestleMania main event over to Dwayne The Rock yeah. Johnson. Yeah. And, there's a, and you've got The Rock going, oh, he hasn't done it. He, he had a shot last year and he's done nothing to earn a new one. It's like, well, he won He, he won the Royal Rumble, That's the, which which earns you a shot. That's, that's the yeah. point of the Royal Rumble <laughs> yeah. as a thing. It's, it's literally the rules. 
<laughs> and I know that I know that we could give it. Well, it's it's not real or whatever. He he, he still did that. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. do that. Yeah, it's not it's not real. But by the same token, if he does beat Roman Reigns, he gets to walk out with the belt. If Roman turns up the next night with the belt again, I'm going to be like, well, no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, that's it. Like, I I you know I often wake up of a morning and think to myself, could I win the Royal Rumble? And the answer is no. <laughs> Doesn't matter if I came in at number one, number fifteen, or number thirty. <laughs> I'm I'm not winning that thing. I could maybe win it if I came in at number thirty-one. Uh, if there was an extra number and they didn't tell anyone about it, and I got to push over someone as they were celebrating, that's the only way yeah. I could possibly. <laughs> the only way I could win the Royal Rumble is if I was allowed to use real violence and no one else was. <laughs> It, well, there's no DQ in a Royal Rumble, so if I had a gun, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, which which it does uh, uh, by the logic of WWE that that's legal as 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 established in the case of um, Austin versus Rikishi. Uh, if um, if you run someone over with your car um, to get them knocked out, which Rikishi did to Stone Cold Steve Austin, that's a crime. Which Stone Cold Steve Austin could have had Rikishi prosecuted for, but what Stone Cold Steve Austin did instead was have a no DQ match against Rikishi, because as in the words of Mick Foley, then anything you do to him is legal, which is not <laughs> is not the law. <laughs> yeah, I would like to say cite the case precedent of Chris Benoit versus the Benoit family. <laughs> Well, no, to be, if we don't know if there was no DQ, uh, if, <laughs> whoever was refereeing was, was also died. <laughs> Disgusting. I do, I, if you don't know anything about the uh, Benoit murders, um, well, you're lucky. But uh, also, since he passed away, Chris Benoit's name has never been mentioned in the WWE. If you go on the like network and you want to look up like a, a show where it was a main event of like him like dropping the belt to Chris Jericho it just says on there Chris Jericho in action or Chris Jericho wins the belt it doesn't say his name on there um, which is apparently what they are also now going to do to Brock Lesnar yes. and Vince McMahon which, wow <laughs> if you consider how much TV he's on just as a commentator every episode of Raw from the beginning I think starts yeah. with him yeah I don't know how they're going to do it but they could they hell. could do that thing that you were talking about earlier uh, <laughs> where someone took a Hitler speech and then used AI to, uh, to 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 translate it from German into English and then have it have it be said in English. And what they could do is they could just replace Vince McMahon with English Hitler. <laughs> look, look, that's not fair. Hitler did a, li- a lot wrong, yeah, but I don't think we it's fair to compare it to Vince. No, and, uh, <laughs> and like you know, credit where it's due, like. Say what you want about Hitler, the guy would have made a stellar commentator. <laughs> if um, if you haven't seen the movie The Iron Claw, by the way, um, I'm just going to say uh, Fritz von Erich, very big wrestler. So and and his gimmick at the time when he wrestled in the 1950s was literally he was a Nazi. That's that right, was his yeah. bad guy persona. So if, if maybe if Hitler had been a manager, um, we could have avoided a lot of a lot of. But then I guess I suppose if Hitler didn't do what he did, then the Nazi gimmick wouldn't have gotten over as much, would it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that more, and I'm not going to name any names here because I don't want to get sued, uh, but I'm, I'm surprised that more WWE wrestlers haven't come out as, like, super right-wing. <laughs> it's got to be a few. 
Do you know what I mean? Just statistically. Thinking about um, where they come from. Yeah. Uh, be a if, couple. If, if, if ever you want to get depressed, um, look up Tyrus of the NWA. He he was made their champion just because he was a regular control, uh, contributor to Fox News. Wow. Um, which is, is very sad because of one reason, which is that the NWA, hey, the NWA is owned by Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins. It's like... <laughs> I really like yeah how how have you turned on your entire smashing pumpkins fan base yeah <laughs> yeah weird uh yeah so that's that's me how are you uh yeah yeah i've been all right uh like i say all of my technology went wrong um deleted quite a lot of a, a video projects i'm working on when i was halfway through it but it was only all of the art assets i'd spent days creating so and the the 3d animation that i'd done so you know, not stuff that's time-consuming, but other than that, yeah, I'm great. At what, uh, at what point do you see it as a sign? <laughs> that's very much the argument that I always put forward about Fifty Cent's rap career. Uh, is if you've got shot, if you've got shot nine times, that's that's the Lord's way of telling you that your your contributions are no longer needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no DQ uh, in rap. <laughs> Um, sp- speaking of uh, no DQ, I don't know. Uh, this episode of Star Trek, <laughs> uh, which you apparently don't remember. No, I watched this about two weeks ago. I-, I have no idea what happens in this. Right, this that, that's incredibly fitting. We, this this week we watched Future Imperfect, yeah, which is the episode where somebody tries to trick Riker into thinking it's been seventeen years and he's lost his memory. Uh... <laughs> oh yes. Oh, and it, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, um, it's the if you if you will know this episode from memes. I forgot <laughs> there was a sort of time travel element to this episode. Yeah, but there yeah, is. Yeah, but there isn't. Yeah, yeah, it's the one where Riker tells Picard to shut up, uh, quiet, forcefully. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I, I it's if you don't know. So what this is, Riker falls over because mm-hmm. of some gas mm-hmm. on his birthday, and then he wakes up in. Um, he wakes up in the medical bay and Bev's got a new haircut and he gets told that he's the captain and it's been 16 years. And, yep. and he doesn't remember everything because the virus he got from the gas does it can reactivate after a huge amount of time and erase all of the memories that you've had since you first got the virus. Which doesn't, <laughs> doesn't seem like it could possibly be true. No. I, and then it turns out it isn't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- yeah, it turns out it was the ill thought out plan of a, a weird, a, a weird alien looking thing. Yeah, it, it, which, it was... to be honest, is kind of the resolution of a lot of episodes of Star Trek: <laughs> The Next Generation. It turns out it was just the machinations of a weird looking thing. Yeah, yeah, because it's that's um... space. But I will say, for its sixteen years in the future. It gets a lot right. Yeah, they, yeah, I really like the new com badges. New com badges are good, but I was going to say there's a there's a Ferengi on the, the bridge. That's, uh, yeah, that's right. There is, in 16 years in the future, there will be a Ferengi in Starfleet. Yep, because because Nog joins. Um, there's more Klingons. I don't know whether that's uh, a thing, but there definitely is more Klingons. But uh, and then Picard turns up having commandeered. An enemy vessel, and he's working with the Romulans. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, is the plot of season one of Picard. 
yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they pretty much nailed it, yeah. 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 So, there you go, Terry Metalis. You didn't need to bother. No. Uh, you could have just run this episode nine times and called it a day. Could have just left it. We all could have remembered Diana as having done nothing but crash the ship. Uh, <laughs> even though she does quite a lot and is very much an important character in this ensemble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes, that's right. Right, I'm going through the memory alpha now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I do remember this. Uh, I like, I like that that little the alien thing. Skip it ahead. Uh, he uh, he he names it Jean Luc. Uh, yeah, and he and it kind of looks like uh, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> uh, in the in the fiction that this world has created, so he's got a son. Like uh, sixteen years in the future, and he's called it Jean Luc, and everybody goes like, "That's a nice touch." Because that would be a nice touch if, like, Picard was dead, but he's not; he's alive, which makes it weird. Riker's got a, Riker's got a dad. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't like his dad. <laughs> he, he must really not like his dad. <laughs> we, don't, we don't. We don't all have to name ourselves after our dads. Um... No, but it's weirder than like six. It's acceptable in the real world to name your child after a Starfleet captain, but yeah. not, yeah, not yeah, yeah, even yeah. Starfleet. No, that, that, no, you're right. No, that is weird. Um, I was a, uh, I was going to become Joe. My dad's name's Joe, um, and my granddad, who was also Joe, uh, wanted me to be Joe, and I, I would have been something ludicrous like Joe the Eleventh or something. Right. So I dodged that bullet. <laughs> Joe Joe Eleven sounds like the name of a science fiction show made by Jerry Anderson in the eighties. <laughs> what was that? Was that was that seventy nine experiments before Joe ninety? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Joe what? Eleven is the name of an episode of Joe ninety where they meet. He meets one of the previous Joes from the World War Two experiment. I, I, I'm going to be honest here, I don't know what the plot of, or premise of Joe Knight is. No, I was going to say, like, obviously <laughs> we um, we blame the baby boomers for all of the issues in the world, which is uh, correct. Uh, they, they did it. Um, but but I, sometimes I feel really sad for them when I remember their pop culture, because I've, I've, you know, if, if you ask us, like, even things that, that, that maybe weren't from our time, like Ben 10, like... I could tell you, I could give you a rough guess at what Ben 10 was about. Ben 10's about a wee boy and he finds a magic watch and the watch lets him turn into different aliens to solve different problems, but all the aliens have different personalities or something and so that's where the kind of conflict arises um, and, he, and you know, he goes out and he has friends and stuff. If you ever ask the people, like, what, what was Joe 90 about? They're like, he had glasses. <laughs> he was a secret spy and he had glasses. And yeah. his, his glasses, what about his glasses? Did they let him see through walls or something? No, he was just short-sighted. What was Joe 90 about? Because I know what, I know, I know obviously Thunderbirds was international rescue. Yeah. Um, they rescued people internationally. And they Captain, sure did. Scarlet, Captain Scarlet was a, a, a little immortal puppet man. Um, who, there was also an evil immortal puppet and they were both members of some, ex, like, some, government agency I don't know I the Misterons <laughs> yeah um, the only uh, I, I don't remember Captain Scala I I was huge into Thunderbirds um, and I think my best mate when I was a kid was huge into Captain Scarlet. but I don't think we ever swapped 
I really don't know what I talked to my friends about when I was kids. Because I, 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 I think I've seen exactly one episode of Captain Scarlet, and I think it was an episode in which he was brainwashed, so he was the bad guy. Right, okay. Because that seems like the only sort of way you can really put a... Because the problem with Captain Scarlet was, it's like, oh, no, big rocks are falling on Captain Scarlet. What's going to happen now? Yeah. He's, 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 he's an indestructible hero. It's in the theme tune. He's just going to get out. Is it is it that the rock's heavy and it might keep him pinned there for some time? That's yeah. as much peril as he's going to be in. All you can really do with Captain Scarlet is delay him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Joe 90 is widely believed to be set in 2012 and 2013. Oh, right, okay. So these those glasses might be 3D glasses from when well, he went what, to see the uh, Avengers. And why wasn't it called Joe 12 then? Why, why Joe 90? Right, let's see. It follows the exploits <laughs> of nine-year-old schoolboy Joe McLean who becomes a spy after his adoptive father invents a device capable of recording expert knowledge and experience it and transferring it to another human brain. So an iPhone. So he gets an iPhone. (laughs) I was going to say, isn't that the plot of Chuck? Uh... Yeah, Joe is recruited by the World Intelligence Network as its, quote, most special agent. I think Joe 90 was about a -a Make-A-Wish kid. Uh, But the... That the head of the World Intelligence Network were like, do you know what? Do you know who Russia really isn't going to expect? I, I, I just, I'm just, i going to say this. I don't care how many special skills he's got in his head. I'm a nine-year-old boy. Like, I just... Like, what, what's he going to do if I, as an adult man, just, like, throw him throw him in a road? Right? Yeah. The, <laughs> do, you know, do you know, I'm just... So the I'm looking at Wikipedia here. The, the, the section of Joe 98 under premise is five paragraphs long <laughs> why has no one ever talked about this what? why right get this and the right so he so the series result the series revolves around the eponymous joe a nine-year-old schoolboy and the adopted son of widowed computer expert so was that his moz oh, i don't know uh ostensibly an ordinary father and son pair the McLeans live in an Elizabethan, Elizabethan-style cottage on the Dorset coast. In the basement of... The, that's how you can tell it's British, because they give you the real estate uh, right in the first <laughs> sentence. In the basement of the cottage is a secret laboratory containing Mac's latest invention, the Brain Impulse Galvanoscope Recorder and Transfer, referred to by the acronym Big Rat. It's not. It's not Jerry Anderson's best work, by the sound of it. No, it sounds um, ridiculous. I, and I feel we should point out for anybody who's listening to this internationally, this was entirely done with puppets as well. Yeah. Oh, Unless yeah. somebody needed to operate a machine, in which case you got a close up of a person's hand. Yeah. Oh, but he does. He does have magic glasses. Oh, he does have magic glasses. Yeah, because the glasses contain electrodes that store. So, it, right. So. So if I take his glasses away, he's he's just a nine year old boy. Right. <laughs> So the same defences I'd use against uh, Felma Hinckley. <laughs> yeah, and and why why did they not just give these magic glasses? Right. So the the idea is right. These magic glasses can record the brain waves of other people. Right. And then when he wears them, he he gets that knowledge. So he so it says here that he's able to carry out all manner of assignments, from piloting fighter pilots to performing neurosurgery, uh, to playing the piano. Uh, which we I, all, which I, we all know are pretty equal in terms of difficulty. I, I want to see the episode where the neurosurgery is done, given that I know that this show was entirely done with marionettes. 
Yeah. Yeah, I know, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's if if, that, if so. Hold on a minute, right? Okay, I just want to get this out. So you're in it. You're a, you, you're the scientist. Let's imagine in this right. scenario, right. you've created the glasses. Okay, that uh-huh. you can give anyone this knowledge and make them great. And your first thought is the best use of these glasses is to put my nine-year-old son in mortal peril. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, hot take. This is literally the plot of Spider-Man: Far From Home. <laughs> Oh, hold on a minute here. <laughs> Joe 90 reports to Shane Weston, the network's commander-in-chief in London, and carries a specially adapted school case featuring a secret compartment that contains a radio transceiver and a high-capacity handgun. <laughs> <laughs> so this is about a wee boy, a short-sighted wee boy called Rudy. Putting caps in people's asses with a forty-five. Uh, again, I've never seen an episode, but no. I, 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 I'm glad he shoots people. Um, and if you're in a, again, if you're not British and you're listening to this and you're going, there wouldn't be a TV show about a kid murdering folk. Uh, I, I should point out that all British kids TV show is is designed to prime children for the inevitability of death. Oh, th- I mean, this one's to clearly to find people for the inevitability of nuclear war. Um, uh, right, here's here's the plot of three episodes. Joe attempts to recall to recover a lost atomic warhead from the ocean floor while avoiding enemy submarines. Uh, he must destroy a nuclear device before it is launched into orbit to hold the world to ransom. Surely that's the best place to put it. Um, and. Uh, Oh, in one episode, Joe pilots a damaged nuclear submarine out of the territorial waters of a Latin American police state. (laughs) 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 That sounds great. Man, British kids TV from the, uh, especially from the like, from from, from the 60s through to the 80s. Yeah. And even into the 90s had, had severe problems. Uh, oh, right, do you want to know what the pilot's about? Uh, <laughs> the, the pilot sees Joe hijack a prototype, Amer- a prototype hijack a prototype Russian fighter and bring it to England. But this is revealed to be a fiction imagined by his boss to explain the types of espionage that the boy will have to perform. Right. So might just go and get in that super secret plane. <laughs> uh, get this. Uh, this plot twist, which also reveals that Russia and the West are now allies, not anymore what? when they're sending their kids in to steal your stuff, has been praised by media historian Nicholas J. Cull for its progressiveness of spirit <laughs> and for demonstrating Jerry Addison's wish to uh, to take her head to the Cold War. <laughs> Jerry, can't do that. Sylvester Stallone's going to solve the Cold War. If only there had been a more puppet-based solution. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry Anderson would have been all over that. <laughs> Imagine Team America had solved the, the Iraq War, the War on Terror. Imagine everyone saw Cote Team America and went, nah, do you know why? Actually, they've got a good point. <laughs> probably shouldn't be doing that. They said again, they're right, dicks do fuck ourselves. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> everyone does have AIDS. <laughs> a fucking weird show. Uh... <laughs> Right. 20, 23 minutes, Star Trek. 
Uh, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> this is not... Actually, this does link in, because again, this is a situation where an adult has decided that a child's best chance of life is to be put in severe danger. Yeah. Because this child has been abandoned. So the, at the end of the episode, it turns out this is all being done with a holodeck and a thing that can scan brains, and a little alien boy has been left alone on a planet because his entire species were wiped out. Yeah. So he's been there for a long time, but I don't say how long that is, or how long kids last, or whether they're immortal. Or, or, I don't know. I don't know. Then there's not enough information. No. All I know is that Riker at the end decides he's going to let this son stay with, let this boy stay with him, and he's going to come on board the Enterprise. And I've got a strong suspicion that starting from next week, we'll never see this character again. Nah. <laughs> I, I I do often think there could be a great TV show for a Star Trek TV show set in a Federation orphanage. <laughs> Would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd watch that. <clears throat> Worf puts Alexander in there just as yeah. a, a sort of woman. <laughs> well, you'd have like a Borg kid. Um, it'd been separated from the collective. You'd have some like there's, there's, there's the number of times they have a lone child survives. Yeah, whatever thing, and then it's like it always ends with like a moment of like between them and the crew, and then we never fucking see them again. Where are they? Are they on board the Enterprise still? Do they just, does, does it, when the Enterprise pulls into space dock for its thing, do they have to have a little handover where he goes? So you're here to uh, get your uh, get your uh, engines inspected. We're going to run some uh, things through the warp core. There's a new shield upgrade that um, sloppy, and of course um, the customary dropping off of the orphans. And go yes, seven, <laughs> seven this time. Yeah. <laughs> How how many of these are uh, just uh, Riker's illegitimate kids? <laughs> More um, than you think. It, yeah, so anyway, Riker thinks he's in the future. Um, Picard's an admirable admiral on a... Which which is worrying. Jordy's, <laughs> Jordy's got fixed eyes. He has, as, cause, as he has at any opportunity, because yeah. <laughs> LeVar Burton just really, really hates wearing that visor. Uh, so, <laughs> But he also has fixed eyes in the Star Trek movies. That's another thing about the future, that Galileo get right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I, because I, in this one, the, uh, it's, it's cause in the movies, the, his eyes are like, uh, they've just put the visor technology into the eyes, into the, the sort of contact lens sort of things that he wears. So he yeah. still has that full range of motion. Whereas in this, he just gets cloned eyes. So I assume he just goes back to, or well, doesn't go back to, because he, he was born blind. He just gets regular vision. Yeah. Which regular is probably vision. a bit of a mind fuck. Yeah, especially when nobody looks like they look like. Yeah. And he can see there, and he goes, but you look more, you look more like that bloke over there. And he goes, yeah. watch the one behind the camera. He goes, yeah, oh, there's a stunt scene coming up later. <laughs> yeah. <He's, laughs> let me, it's difficult to explain, Geordie. But, yeah, and he's and because he can't do the he can't, he doesn't have the predator vision anymore. He's just yeah. wandering around saying to people, "I can't tell how hot you are anymore." <laughs> um, everyone's like, "Oh, <laughs> creepy Jordy's back." <laughs> um, I like that when Riker realizes that it's a it's a, a trap because uh, the Romulan Tomalock is turned up a bit. I, uh, is there? And he's he usually realizes, a big face. Yeah, uh, he's. He's turned up to, like, basically, uh, a part of this, Riker needs to give them 
needs to give someone the coordinates of a starbase that's in his mind is crucial for the defense of the area so he doesn't want to do it and he thinks that's a Romulan plot and when he realizes what's wrong uh, he he points out that Geordie's been running some diagnostics on the computer system that should have taken four hours but they've taken 31 hours yeah so that proves that's wrong Worf's got a scar that he can't tell anyone where he can't remember where where he got it uh, and that's the big giveaway. And then the biggest giveaway is that data can't do the complicated mathematics that only data can do. Which yeah. Feels like it should have just been the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he speaks in contractions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. It should be going to point out that. How much time passes for Riker in this episode? Do you think is it? It's like a bad day, isn't it? From his perspective, yeah, it's got to be. Right. So, follow-up question, Mark: If you suddenly woke up from uh, a coma, right, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you were told that twenty years had passed, and you'd actually only been in the coma for about a week, but you'd lost like nineteen years of memory or something like that, and you were told that you, if when this had started, you were single. Yeah. And now you've got a child. Yeah. Um, and um, their mother is dead. How long would it take you to look up a picture of their mum? <laughs> immediately. Yeah, immediately. Yeah. S- same here. Um, Riker doesn't do it for like 48 hours. <laughs> weird. Really weird. Um, and especially, he doesn't, He do- does he figure out immediately that it's not Troy's kid? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. they, because they, they, they also in the in the fiction of this universe that this is being created for him, they don't immediately. He wakes up with no memory of the last sixteen years. That's what yeah. they're trying to believe, and no one tells him he's got a son until he goes to his quarters. Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to not, go to not his even up. By the way, there's a surprise <laughs> waiting for you. <laughs> he wa- it- wait till you get a load of this. Crush is going to take him to his quarters and he's like, no, if anything's going to jog my memory, it's going to be being on the bridge. And Beverly doesn't even go, no, Will. <laughs> it's more important that we go to your quarters right now, yeah. given that you have a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also you almost certainly aren't qualified to be the captain of this ship anymore. They say to him that there's there's like a peace treaties with the Romulans being worked out. Yeah. And that um and that Riker has to carry on the negotiations because he's the person that the Romulans sort of trust. Yeah. And he's the best person to do it. And I was like, right, that can't possibly be the operating procedure for these circumstances. No. But then I recall I actually do think that high farce might be the standard operating procedure for Starfleet. That might be in the code. Because yeah. this sort of stuff happens regularly, where it's like, oh, no, we can't let on so-and-so to such-and-such. It's it's close to Fraser levels of absurdity. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to discuss something, though, right? Yeah. Because it's something that's... It's, Will, it's Riker's birthday. Yeah. He's having a birthday party. Yep. Then they encounter this... Like they get probed, and they need to go and check something out. Yeah, and they and they call Riker back from his birthday. To like, how does time off work in Starfleet? 
I'd, yeah, you'd think you'd at least get your birthday off. You'd, you'd think it would be Timpson's rules, wouldn't you? But Yeah, because all, all I'm saying is if, if he's off duty, what if they'd like call him up and he was like, I'm going to be honest with you, Captain, I'm shit-faced. <laughs> I'm stoned at my nut. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've got my relaxation light on. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in no fit state to do anything. I'm halfway through watching uh, two tiny little women uh, play <laughs> jazz instruments. Like, can't you can't you send like data's on the bridge covering for Riker? It's like, what well, can't you send? Can't you send data? Like, <laughs> yeah. What what if for his birthday Riker had done something that had taken him off the ship? There must be a, a like cover structure. Yeah, and, and yeah, and surely Riker is able to turn around and go and like if there's one day where he can pull rank, surely it's his birthday. Yeah. Just to go. Why don't we? Uh, what, I mean, personally, I don't understand why we're not just sending the indestructible android <laughs> and to the, every and situation. Send him and the Klingon who yeah. you know wants to die in battle. That's <laughs> yeah. Because sure. in in Stargate SG One and in the movie, uh, whenever they open a Stargate to like a new world, the first thing they do is send in like a, a robot. Yeah, like a bomb disposal robot to have a look about and go, yeah, this looks okay. And then, yeah, why doesn't Starfleet have the same? Thing? Yeah, yeah. And and, and they only send in the base second in command through like no, the 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 top command is your General Hammond. Yeah. And then I'm I, I like this like the blokes in charge like the bloke in charge like SG one that's the team. Yeah. The bloke in charge of SG one is just the bloke in charge of SG one. There's an SG two. I think there's up to an eight. But that, oh, well, there's uh, loads. There's, the, there's like thirty of them. Yeah, none of them. Yeah. But what what do SG thirty do? Just like clerical work on. Uh, so we you actually an accountant, lads. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, you find out later because uh, they all have different designations. Because obviously we only follow SG one, but SG one are kind of like the Enterprise. They're the flagship. They're, I think their designation is like exploratory, or whatever. But yeah, you get to SG twenty seven and it's like plumbing. <laughs> Imagine getting that call. We've uh, we think you're the world's best plumber. It's like, oh, okay, the thanks. That's really nice. Yeah. To hear. Well, in fact, that means we've got to tell you something. What? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to go plumbing in space? What for with a spaceship? You'd think that, oh. but no. <laughs> How do you feel about having your atoms scattered across the cosmos and then reassembled at the other end? Oh, well, that's. When did we invent that technology? Oh, we didn't invent it. We just found it. So we yeah. we don't we don't actually know. How it works? Oh God, no, no, no! Is it is it safe? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, not even in the slightest. Um, well, sometimes you come out the other end and there's not anywhere to come out. It's just rock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, sometimes if you forget to press the exact right buttons uh, on your little watch thing on the way back, we just won't open the metal gate. <laughs> you'll just you'll just be splattered uh, as you reemerge. Yeah. Yeah. The, the 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 Stargate system of uh-huh. of 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 into of into like of galactic travel just doesn't really hold I mean how long I mean you can't get much like I'm just saying like if you have a spaceship you can arrive like at a planet and you can go to whatever bit of that planet yeah. you want. Yeah. But like say you're in like you're on some other planet, it's gonna take you fucking twelve hours to get to the Stargate. Yeah, and then you get to the planet you want to go to, and the place that you're looking for is another twelve hours away from that Stargate. 
Yeah. And on the other end, they've only got medieval technology, actually. So it's like four days of travel by sea. Yeah. I just, I just don't, I just don't think it holds up. No, no, it really doesn't. And it takes them years to decide to put in like a ship that they can fly through the gates. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you only get that in Atlantis. Yeah, and uh, I, I, yeah, it's not. It's it also it, it. One of its main characters is a translator. And then they realised about four episodes in that having him translate every language was quite boring. So yeah. everybody goes to just speaking English, which makes his skill set completely meaningless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still is somehow one of the four most important characters in the universe. <laughs> and uh, and at one point in season five, he's like, do you know what? My contract's up, but they really need me. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to hold out for more money. And then they immediately went, oh, we'll just replace you. <laughs> We don't really need we don't really need a translator. What we'll do is we'll get in the guy who kind of played Ferris Bueller on telly. Um, <laughs> see how he gets on. Uh because do you know what's what's comedy gold is because he comes from another planet, so he's not like sure how culture works. Uh and we already know that that works well with with Teal'c, but we'll get this guy in. Do you have you ever heard the story about why Teal'c is so like um, when they're having meetings, he doesn't like say anything, and he no. like sits there and quite. So apparently, the actor, uh, I think Chris, what's Christopher, Christopher Judge, yeah, great um, actor. Uh, he was turning up quite hungover uh, mm-hmm. in the mornings, and he just forget his lines. Uh, and then eventually, like the third or fourth time, he got called up on it. His response was just to go, "Teal cares not for human squabbling." Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and they stop writing in lines of dialogue <laughs> so that he could just just react to stuff. And, it's like, and then he decided that his character also was fairly taciturn and didn't show much emotion. So yeah. he, Christopher, Christopher Judge was stealing a fucking paycheck on that show. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like Michael Dawn and Chris must hate Christopher Judge. It's like yeah. I mean, I've got all this. I've got six hours in makeup every day. What have you got? Oh, I'll just sit in a chair and they glue this bit of gold on my face and I'm all ready to go. It's like, yeah. fuck off. <laughs> and if we're on Earth, I just wear a hat. <laughs> it was the stupidest reveal ever when he'd take the hat off and people go, oh my God, he's an alien. It's like, or a guy who's got a piercing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Dang what a ridiculous show that I have seen every single episode of. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've watched everything, including the ones where the fucking... Uh, the gold stop turning up and it becomes the Ori, which no one likes. No, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, t- uh, yeah, so... Turns out, uh, the Romulans, it's not them. It's not them. It's a, it's a, it's a kid. Yep. I, I'm going to... It's a human kid to start with, and then he reveals that he's an alien. I'm gonna say something that is a strong statement. Go on. This is the dumbest looking alien that we've ever had. Oh yeah, this looks worse than the Gorn. <laughs> yeah. This is like, like this is like. I don't think anybody told the makeup team that they were going to have to reveal that he was an alien until maybe 20 minutes before they shot this. They were like, fuck. Because it looks like a Halloween mask. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, at least it's not just a thing glued on his face. That would have been better. Oh, really? 
I you could have what I would have done is I would have had him have a thing glued on his face and then I would have in the episode had the had it explained that he's he's half human, half whatever. Because Riker would be like, well, yeah, I do bang a lot of aliens. That does make sense. Yeah. Right, yeah, that, that I can't remember that happening, but it does sound like me. Um, <laughs> and the, the big giveaway, of course, we should mention, is when he finally sees pictures of um, the, the guy, his, his supposed dead wife. It's, uh, it's Minuet, that hot, deck lady from yeah. season one. Which, again, this is an alright episode of Star Trek, but it has moments that annoyed me. And this is one of them, because I don't like being made to think about season one of Next Generation. Yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah, even, <laughs> he, I figured that out as soon as he said it. Yeah, when he said, uh, when he like, said oh, her name shit, was Min. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, again, which Riker had no curiosity about yeah. whatsoever. And this famous, is again... famous shagger, <laughs> William T. Riker, does, has, has absolutely zero fucking... Uh, curiosity about the woman who was so good at shagging that he was like this is it yes yeah, this, this uh, is this is the one i'm sticking with and um i i was gonna say do you think they decided who the kid who was setting it up do you think they decided not to use troy because they couldn't do the empath stuff with troy because yeah and we when, have to get troy out of the out of the way that's why yeah. she's hanging about with picard also because i guess I mean, I, I like the fact that this insinuates that, that Riker doesn't know Bev well enough to realise <laughs> when Bev... Because it, cause it, it does say here, right, that there's a bit under... Um, on the Memory Alpha, uh, under casting characters, it says, well, Wheaton does not appear in this episode. That's just yeah. a fact on its own. So, um, well, I guess maybe they did get it right because he was like, well, I mean... If I if the alien's like, well, if I just make sure that Wesley's not here, it's unlikely that Bev will ever bring him up. <laughs> I reckon. I reckon this simulation could have run for several months oh, before yeah. Riker eventually went. Oh, none of this is real. <laughs> and then had Bev go, who? Like, oh, uh, oh, I seem to remember that you had a son. He goes, oh, yeah, did he died? Uh, but it's all right. I think if I'm if I'm if I'm playing my cards right with the captain, I think I'm going to get a better son. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah. There's a it's because so um, Geordie's got his eyes back. Wolf's right. got a scar. Yep. Data can't do maths. Yeah. Diana's gone off with Picard, who's an admiral. Wesley's not around. No O'Brien, which makes sense. Again, yep. he's not on the Enterprise. He's off on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's quite a good. It's quite. If you were watching this for the first time, it's quite a plausible, like jump forward and like where all the characters are is fairly plausible. It doesn't give itself away too yeah. much. And it is also pretty interesting. Like I, I love a red herring, and the. This sort of double layered plot of maybe this is just a Romulan trap that they've set up to get information out of Riker is quite clever. Yeah, if I if I was a Starfleet officer and I woke up in this exact situation, it really happened. I lost sixteen years of memory, and mm-hmm. we were about to do a peace negotiation with the Romulans, and I said to my cat, like Admiral, <laughs> I was like, look. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I just can't get over my suspicion 
that this is all an elaborate Romulan plot to make me give up security information. I, as a, like, you know, as a officer, as like as the admiral, I'd be like, no, you know what? That is completely reasonable assumption. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that does sound exactly like the sort of bullshit Romulans would do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fair play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it turns out it, then he then he's in a Romulan prison and he's trying to get away. And, yep. a little, and the kid's there, who's real, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we 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 use that real kid's face for for reasons." Yeah. Uh, and then, and why didn't you use the face of a real woman? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Surely, in the in the archives of like all the stuff the Romulans have got, they must have a picture of at least one human woman. <laughs> yeah, and like just. You know, just an just like there's the just an absolute ten out of ten brunette. That's all he wants. That's um, yeah, it can't be that difficult to track down. Yeah, but so instead that yeah, it's a, and then it, then there's a whole another layer where it's like oh we've got to escape from the Romulans. Oh there are no Romulans here. It's actually just the lonely lonely child. Um, yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a the reveal's good, but it's a bit of a letdown. Yeah, when you see the actual alien, you know, like, when you oh. see the alien and it's holodeck technology and stuff. If it'd been like a, like the child of a like incredibly powerful, like the child had been, like part of a race that were like, we, we've run into a lot of insanely powerful, ultra beings. Yeah, uh, and it could have been one of them who was lonely. Yeah, and also this idea that like, oh. Um... He's he's lonely, so he so he captured Riker to have like a real person with him. And like when I was a little boy, right? Do you know what I really wanted as a best friend is just a really confused man in his forties. Maybe maybe the kid was like, "It's finally time for me to learn how to seduce women." Uh, (laughs) Who's the best person for that? Yeah, Riker. Because it's important to note he could have nicked Worf or Geordi. Yeah, yeah. He had a choice of it, all three, and no way of knowing who was the highest rank. The, I mean, <laughs> what he should have done was steal data, because there's <laughs> there's no way data would have figured out that that, that no one was acting normal. <laughs> yeah, but data might have worked out that he can't possibly have a son. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or they could actually, you could have sprung it on him. It's like, well, yeah, no, you got married. And it's like what? Why did they yeah, do that? it was an experiment. Um, but yeah, she had a a child from a previous relationship, and you, of course, you were going to break up with her and walk yeah. away. Uh, but then she died, and you were saddled with the child. Uh, very similar to what happened to Jeff's dad in Community. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and and also, um, it, it it wouldn't have to be. Oh well, it, there was a virus, uh, and you were in a coma, and now you can't remember the last sixteen years since before, since the time you got the virus. Data could have been like, hold on a minute, what's happening? And the kid could have been, you got too close to a magnet. <laughs> and sort of like a VHS tape. You, <laughs> we just, we lost that scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, they they talked about, uh, I want to talk about, there's a sport in fucking Star Trek called Parisi Squares. Oh yeah, that's right, and yeah. It's been mentioned a bunch of times. Has it, have, like, has it ever been a, said what the rules are Cause uh, yeah because it sounds violent doesn't it 
greasy squares, right? Let's have a look. Memory Alpha. Uh, yeah, it's the thing that they were wearing the blue jumpsuits for, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a vigorous and rather violent athletic game played by people from many worlds. Uh, it's played on a court. Two teams of four players. Uh, they seem to talk about it. The, the rules... Uh, right, okay, here we go. Um, this is this is this is what it says under rules. Uh, <laughs> the game was played on a court involving two teams of four players. Substitutions are possible. <laughs> uh, although some players, such as Commander William T. Riker, disliked the practice, feeling that doing so created the disruptive loss of a team's rhythm. Um, when playing Parisi Squares, players wore padded uniforms and used a piece of equipment called an ion mallet. The game also... <laughs> the, sorry, what? The game also involved a ramp. And is that all we know? That's it. So, so it's nobody... something to do with, with hammers and ramps. Okay, I'm going to And it's violent. I re- okay. No. That I, you know what? This is unacceptable, right? We have had to sit through so much of the characters of all of Star Trek's backstories being fucking dug into and established ad fucking nauseum at this point. Yeah. We've had three Kirks, right? And we are still not at a point where a single fucking Star Trek writer has gone, oh, maybe I should work out what Parisi Squares is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's wild that Lower Dex has never yeah. showed us it. It feels like it's a lower decks ever where it's the Parisi Squares tournament mm-hmm. episode, and every time you think it's over, like the a new rule gets introduced. Yeah, where it's like, oh, we go to sudden death overtime. Yeah, <laughs> like it feels like that's such a rich vein for lower decks to explore. Yeah, if lower anybody who listens to lower decks is listening to this. Give us the give us the Parisi squares. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, we don't we don't get it. Um, and you, and that's the best you can apparently do whatever you want with it. Yeah, like yeah. No, it's got there's got to be a ramp and there's substitutions. That's all we know. And there's hammers, <laughs> which I presume is, I imagine... is is used for when you hammer someone to to almost death. Or it's just like fucking space croquet. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's or space, or maybe it's space polo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, madness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, anything else? This is this is a very mid episode. Yeah, it's quite mid. Yeah. I, I just, I still, I can't. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the whole naming your, naming your child after your boss. <laughs> it seems. <laughs> Seems very sycophantic of Will. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I think this is the nerdiest Riker episode that we ever get. Yeah. Because it's got, in playing the trombone, is being a little suck up to his boss. And his greatest love is a fictional woman. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's weird that that he's like, wait a minute. I would would definitely have named my son after some old jazz musician. (laughs) Yeah, he should have been called Coltrane. Yeah, or yeah, or something that would have been appropriate for a jazz-loving character at the time. But now, at this point, we would look at it as a white character. <laughs> it would it would definitely be some form of cultural appropriation that was not acceptable. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Also, 
one thing I want to bring up about this. Riker doesn't see a picture of this fake wife until he looks her up on the fake thing. So that means Riker walked into the quarters, saw that he had a son and a dead wife, and saw that there were no pictures of his family up, and immediately went, yeah, well, that makes sense. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I feel like it would ruin the aesthetic. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to put off all the other women that you're bringing back. (laughs) All those pictures of your dead wife. That really, really kills the mood. Are you joking? Are you, are you telling me Riker couldn't spin his dead wife into getting laid? Uh, like that oh, seems 100%, like the, yeah. yeah. That seems like, the, oh, he's that. Oh, that's my wife. She passed away tragically. Since then, I've not known the touch of a woman. Like, that's why you have <laughs> one single tasteful photo of your dead wife. <laughs> like, do you remember in a, do you remember in Ant-Man? The, 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 first, the first Ant-Man, before they'd cast Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah. uh, Hank Pym has a picture of him and Hope and Janet, but because they hadn't cast Janet yet, the picture is just her behind a big hat. <laughs> and that is apparently the only picture that he has of his wife. I he always... doesn't even think he's dead, if I recall correctly. He thinks she's just lost in the quantum room. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, always, I've always thought they missed the trick there with not having the wife played by Catherine Zeta-Jones uh, and saying that time hadn't passed for her in the quantum realm, and that's why she was not age appropriate. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that is good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, because so, so I would just say Riker's a good dad to the fictional child, mm. um, right up until he gets him back to the Enterprise and abandons him. Yeah, because um, he looks weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he gets back and he's like, he, he must talk to. I bet he talks to Picard. He's like, right, that is the situation. Aye. I I made some promises. Um, before I knew he was a weird-looking kid, um, uh, <laughs> can we can we can we put him with the other some of the other weird-looking aliens on the yeah. other decks that we don't visit? <laughs> what's uh, what's Worf's, Where does Worf's son Alexander live? Because I assume it's not with Worf. <laughs> no, it's with his uh, grandparents in Russia. Oh, that's uh, right. Stick him down there. <laughs> That's one of the uh, the few things I don't like about Star Trek is is one of the clear historical details of the future. It's gotten wrong because obviously they don't live in Russia; they live in the area known as Greater Ukraine. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, this is a right episode. Yeah, it's fine. It, it's worth watching because it's it's the one that's got the Riker telling Picard to shut up. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, uh, shut your damn mouth. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, yeah. This is the problem now. We're getting into series four, where they're all pretty, at least pretty decent. They're all pretty good. The most you're gonna get is that this is the episode that are memes from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we haven't come across the Picard face palm yet. Uh, so yeah, no. Uh, so that. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies. This episode isn't particularly imagination expanding or. No. Yeah. It's, just. Uh, it, also, I think I'm pretty tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also, just, just as a general piece of advice, if ever you are worried that your entire reality is being manipulated and you happen to be friends with the most powerful computer that exists in your universe, just ask him to do complex, complex mathematical problems for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and if you can't, it's probably fake. Or... Just uh, tell your boss to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Which is fair, because you should not have been at work. Like, I feel like the union would have Riker's back on this. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. 
you'd lost all memory of the last 16 years and you were forced to go back to work. This is after an incident that occurred when they made you work on your birthday. Right, okay, first of all, that's, <laughs> that's, that's not acceptable. Time off is time off. Uh, so just because you only live on board the Enterprise, we still have a shift system. There's a reason for it. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like the union were giving me his full back. It's like, you shouldn't have even been at work. You should have been... Well, they said I was the only person who could... You could have told the Romulans that you'd lost your memory of the last 16 years and got another negotiator in. I mean, it's not as if there's no one... Picard's literally a yeah. famed negotiator. Yeah, yeah, that's his thing. That's his shtick. If he, yeah, that's his bow and arrow if he was in the Avengers. <laughs> oh, man. I hate the fact that in, like, not in, in movie time, but in, like, comic book times Hawkeye is one of my favourite Avengers oh 100% though, yeah even though he's just he's got a bow and arrow it's yeah. silly good at, good, at, good at aiming things that's it yeah he's not even the best at aiming things because Bullseye's got it as a literal mutant power <laughs> uh, anyway yeah uh, yeah anyway that was this episode Star yeah. Trek yeah bye bye the Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog. <laughs>